This week on Overtime, we take a look at what it means to care for the orphans, what pure religion looks like. It's an exciting conversation. Make sure you like, subscribe. Let's get it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, a weekly podcast where we take a little more time to dive into Sunday's message and um, also during the football season to dive into a little bit of Sunday's afternoon tragedy. Okay, I'm going to bail you out. I'm going to bail you out. Okay. We don't have to talk about Panthers football. Thank you. Um, I, I'm still with you. Like we're still, we're going to make this happen. This is a, a year of turnaround. We are now shooting for a really good draft spot because next no, year. No, we gave away our draft pick. Oh, son of a gun. Yeah. It gets, it, if you keep digging, it just gets worse. <laughs> but you know, it doesn't get worse. Jesus. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. And um, he has been. He just al- keeps getting better. <laughs> he's been alive and active in our church. There's so many good things happening right now. And so I thought we would skip over the Panther talk. Perfect. Let's celebrate a little bit yeah. for maybe those who come to the church, but then also maybe those who've never been to Center City. Like, why don't you, what's the, your most favorite thing about Center City right now, about the community, about kind of what God's been doing? I think, I mean, I'm super focused on specifically the women at Center City because we are leaving for our women's retreat on Thursday, yep. which is going to be awesome. And um, one of the things that I love about our community is the friendships that develop across generational lines so that it's not just like women from different generations who happen to be in the same space together, but who are genuinely enjoying each other's company, being friends, hanging out. I just think it's beautiful. Uh, that's that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. We just did water baptism, mm-hmm. and for me, what I'm celebrating is as we continue to grow and we're um, experiencing growth as a church, which is really exciting. Um, the water baptism tanks get fuller and fuller. Like that's the the fun part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a friend of mine always says, "Soaking wet proof uh, of what God's done on the inside of people," and that's yeah. what baptism is, which I love. But I also think it's the, a good sign to the church of a soaking wet proof of what God's doing within the context of the community. And uh, what I loved about our picture of baptism this this year or this last week was the diversity across the board in age, in um, in nationality, mm-hmm. in socioeconomic class, in background. We had people who were, you know, of course, young. We had young people being baptized. We had people who were... Um, that have a little more seasoned in life, that have walked through a little bit more struggle, that are returning to mm-hmm. a faith in Christ. and um, We're coming for the first time as adults. Coming for the first time as adults. And all of these things are just really clear pictures that God is moving. And not just in one, it we are a, a true reflection of our city, which mm-hmm. is something that we've prayed about and um, have continually prayed about and really has been a part of the core DNA of this church and we're seeing it even in our growth. So I'm excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really good Sunday. If you live in Charlotte, you're going to find yourself here. Um, <laughs> like just visit one time and I promise you'll see yourself and you'll see other people who will be willing to love and, and grab a, gravitate towards you. So yeah, I love it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. That's great. We should start out this way every, every week. There you go. Um, Cause football season's basically over if you're a Panthers fan, <laughs> but um, which you are. If you've still made it through this season, we accept you. Committee, if you have a problem with that, contact me. But um, I'm just making a unilateral decision. You're in. Well, we, we I think we need to do it a little more formally. And I just got to figure out what that formality is. <laughs> I'm waiting on the, the committee to get together and create my final. 
I don't know if it's an obstacle course that I have to run through or, <laughs> uh, or uh, I don't know, some kind of scavenger hunt. We'll figure it out, but my application is still on the table. That's your call. Let's go Panthers. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the new series that we've started. And um, I really am curious because we kind of knew this time of year, we always talk a little bit more about kingdom builders, which is for those of you who aren't familiar Kingdom Builders, it's really a title that we like to take on, that we are kingdom builders who give above and beyond to support God's kingdom work, not just immediately through Center City, but through partner organizations here in the city and around the world. And um, and so I know that that was kind of on your mind as we were coming into this season. And, and I'm really curious because God really just kind of put pure religion on your heart, but even from my perspective, it seemed to come rather quickly and maybe a little bit at the last minute. Um, so, I mean, I know it was already on your mind, but this like framework of it. So I'm just curious kind of how God led you to that place and why pure religion for this series this time of year? Well, I started asking the question, why? It's been, man, it's been a season of asking that question. If we're being a hundred, uh, I, I think across the board, um, we often love the idea of authenticity, but are not willing to do the long-term work that's required for authenticity. And this isn't a knock on anyone. This isn't a knock on anyone's perspective. So hear me when I say that. To say, um, to ask the question of why the church and to not have people as the answer, I think your motives are wrong, right? So as I've been just in prayer over the last several years, even of like, and you're probably tired of me hearing it, uh, uh, probably hearing it, like we intentionally ask that question at nauseum of almost everything we do because we want to make sure that we're being pure. So as mm -hmm. I was considering, you know, we're stepping into this miracle offering, I'm introducing some of the partners that we we bless during our miracle offering season that are blessed through kingdom builders. Um, I'm, I was asking that question, why? And, and wanting to make sure that I was being as authentic as possible in the delivery of God's heart for the season. And then I just, as I was thumbing through scripture, trying to figure out what the Lord wanted, that passage in James just jumped off the page to me. So Really, it was a combination of this is what the Lord has been speaking to my heart for over a year, combined with this is what I tripped on Tuesday, mm -hmm. Tuesday or Wednesday as I was studying. And finally, like, and it's funny because normally I get a framework and then the content is built. I feel like a lot of the content started being built and I didn't have a framework to your point. And I want to say it was almost as late as Thursday, Friday that I finally was like, oh, wait all of this points to this idea of the widows and the orphans and then the James passage. And it does to me started screaming. This is what it means to be authentic in your belief. So that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. I really like that because I think, um, sometimes when we talk about miracle offering, it can, it can feel nice to give financially, but then we almost feel off the hook. Like, yep. Yep. okay, I wrote my check. It's miracle offering. I'm not going to hear about this again until the two times next year that Pastor John talks about finances. And yet I feel like what is coming up in this series is that that's absolutely part of it. It's a blessing. Like, don't hear me saying it doesn't matter to contribute financially, but that that's just the beginning 
of what it really means to live a life where we are genuinely, authentically following Jesus. Absolutely. You know, we've often used that phrase, time, talent, treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think some of it can stem from um, the idea that we're motivated by what pushes and pulls our heart. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to be clear because I don't believe that means anything that I see on the outside that makes me cry, I'm going to do that thing, right? Otherwise, we'd so be... So you'd adopt every pet ev- ever. The, absolutely. And I know people <laughs> that, quite honestly, the whims of their passions dictate their time, talent, and treasure. But we just walked out of a series. When we talk about what's on the inside of us, it's the Spirit of God that moves and motivates us. Mm-hmm. So we've been really strategic listening to the voice of the spirit on who these partners are. We've developed long-term relationships. Every one of these, none of these partners are, you know, there's one that's relatively new, but for the most part, all these partners we've been working with for the last several years. Um, And it's just reintroducing people to the idea of, to your point, it's not just about what we give, but what does it look like year long to look after the broken and the hurting? Yeah. Yeah. So this week you really focused on children and I, I do want to get into the passage and what that means, but I thought it might be, cool for a minute to feature just, I think there are kind of two organizations that you highlighted a little bit. So like, but starting with Urban Promise, like who is Urban Promise in a nutshell? And um, why are we committed to partnering with them? Well, Urban Promise is a a partnership that actually precedes me. So uh, as long as we've been in this building, which I believe is five years now, Oh, Actually, I, it's longer than yeah. that now. What is You've it? been here almost five years, John. Wow. So, I mean, we've been here forever. So, as long as we've been... I think it's been, like six or seven, yeah, somewhere as, in there. As long as we've been in this building, we've been in partnership with Urban Promise. They basically are in the building more than we are in, mm-hmm. in some ways, uh, five days a week from about three to seven o'clock. And their primary focus is helping students navigate um, education and things of that nature, but they're really set on raising up a child in the way that they ought to go, right? Mm-hmm. That that passage in Proverbs that we talked a little bit about Sunday um, and implementing biblical principle within the scope of their after-school program. And the objective is to move elementary school kids through the program. They use high school kids that they actually pay to come in and help tutor and develop and mentor. They call street leaders that we we like we love our street leaders. And then mm-hmm. once the street leaders graduate and move into college, there's a separate program that Urban Promises developed in order to help them navigate through college in a mentorship role. They help them prep for college. Once they get into the schools, they celebrate it. That's one of my favorite parts of Urban Promise when they celebrate grad, uh, mm-hmm. the college signing day. Signing day, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, see through see them through that mentorship process where a lot of other programs kind of cut off. The objective is to raise a leader that then comes back to a community and transforms the community. So that's kind of Urban Promise. And there, they have focuses all around Charlotte. We house the West Charlotte area focus. So, you know, it's it's been a great partnership. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever show up and it's the time that you thought like, hey, I'm just going to drop by and say hey to the pastors in the office and there are a million kids running around. Now you know why. Because Urban Promise. Yeah. And if it's summer, they're here all day. All day. All day. Yep little loud, but we would rather it be loud and a little chaotic than this building sit empty Monday through Friday. It's the culture of the church in a lot of ways. Like we could have a really nice clean walls, you know, carpet, 
or we can actually step deeply into relationship with people who are doing the work of the ministry and partner alongside of them doesn't just mean financially. That mm-hmm. also means in volunteership opportunities, giving of our time, Christmas promise store right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So we have an event we do every year where we partner with them to kind of help through the Christmas season. But then also Urban Promise is always looking for people to help read and people to help tutor and, and things of that nature. So do you know how, and I know we didn't prep for this, but if someone is hearing that and is like, I would love to sign up and help someone learn how to read, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, just visit their website, Urban Prom in Charlotte, and um, at the website, they have opportunities for them to kind of click and volunteer in that route. If you're looking more specifically to to volunteer in West Charlotte, um, drop an email box in, in the Hello account, and we can we can point you in the right direction. Okay. And that's hello at centercity.church. Yep. Um, Cool. Well, I just thought it was a great chance. You shared an awesome video. Just wanted to feature them a little bit since this is our Kingdom Builders Miracle Offering season. Um, And it tied in really nicely to the message. So well done. Um, Thank you. (laughs) But this week we talked about specifically that story where parents bring their children to Jesus to be blessed. And then the disciples do what probably as I get older seems like the logical thing that they would do, which is... Guys, you're distracting him from the real work. Can you please not keep bringing your kids to interrupt Jesus? And then Jesus responds completely unexpectedly. We think of it as normal if we grew up in the church because we've heard this story over and over again. But to your point on Sunday, like the, it, it was completely shocking that he would be like, no, 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 I'm actually going to rebuke my disciples and say, let the little children come to me. As you studied this story this week and kind of got into more of that cultural context, was there anything that just kind of jumped out to you that gave it a new, just a new level of meaning or depth? Yeah, I think um, one of the commentators that I read um, talked a little bit about the the pressure that um, Hebrew parents would feel to get their kid in front of the right rabbi or teacher, that somehow by getting them in front of the right rabbi or teacher, they would give their kid a distinct advantage that it would It's create. almost like preschool now. Like you feel like parents are like, before our kid's even born, we have to be on the waiting list for the right yeah. preschool. <laughs> I, that's exactly what I went to, is that undertone comp- competitive nature of parenting now. Like parenting almost is like a sport and you got to get the right stroller and get them in the right school and they have to be reading by six months otherwise they're going to fall behind and the world's going to leave them um so i I, for the first time kind of sensed that tension i never really read that before Mm -hmm. um and even as you read the scripture i was always taken back a little bit by the persistence and some of the other um translations you kind of read in the persistence of the parents that even though the disciples were saying back up they're like nope i gotta get my kid in front of jesus mm-hmm. um so regardless what their motive was i appreciated the idea of bringing their child before jesus became this absolute priority yeah. like we gotta make this happen so that's kind of why the, the message kind of went the way that it did because that that is a new perspective to me what do you feel like, and this may be a long answer with kind of different different responses because it's a big question, but what does that same attitude look like in 2023, this almost desperation to fight through whoever we need to fight through, whatever is in the way to get our children in the presence of Jesus? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think the desperation begins with us. 
um, our kids don't have an appetite for it. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure I'm really clear. I mean, barring your child is a prodigy and by eight years old understands spiritual things, right? Like um, our, our, the fight that, I mean, all cards on the table, the fight of parenting that I've had for 13 years is exposing my kids to an experience that then becomes an appetite that they develop themselves, that they desire to pursue mm-hmm. the things of God. And they're doing great. So don't get me wrong. You know, my boys are at a good place. Uh, but with that said, I think what it looks like in 2023 is doing your best to model what it looks like to have an appetite after the presence of God. Um, do your kids see you pray? Do your kids see you in study? Do you take the time and energy to explain some of the why of what you're doing in order to expose them to the idea that God is involved in every area? So when you're saying no to the $100 sneakers or you're saying no to the baseball practice on Wednesday night because I want my kid in church. Are you, are you taking time to explain some of that, which again exposes them to the deeper sense, oh, mom and dad have a different perspective. I was listening to a testimony this morning uh, about someone who recently gave their lives to the Lord, and they, t- they talked about how, uh, and again, this isn't a shot by any stretch of the imagination, but for them, one of the convictions they had was, I want to make Sunday morning this moment of, um, I want it to feel sacred. Mm-hmm. So we dress up in my home. If, you, if, if, if that's happening with explanation and there's conversation around, hey, listen, it's Sunday morning. We want to give the best to the Lord. Now, again, that's a personal conviction that they're navigating through. Um, I think that's another opportunity to, again, express your desire and, and in good conversation when your kids begin to ask, you have good answers for the why. And then secondly, in 2023, bringing your, feet, your, your, your kids to the feet of Jesus, to me, in a really practical way, is just a consistent, active participation in the church community. Um, I'm not sure there's a way around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we like to think there is. You know, I can live my faith out on my own, and yet... I've just, there's something that happens. And it's it's fairly clear biblically where two or more are gathered. It's not complicated. There he is in the middle of it. Is he not with you when you're not with two or more? No, of course he's with you. He's in you. He's around you. It's all there. But something unique happens. Otherwise, that passage wouldn't be in scripture. Something mm-hmm. unique happens when there's a collective that comes together and the presence of God shows up in a way that your students who are still trying to navigate, your, your kids who are still trying to navigate what they think about God, get a chance to experience him. So I think between being really an example of what it means to live in that place of experience and then also to have a consistent, um, a consistent uh, connection to a church community is critical. Yeah, so um, I want to be really clear as I ask this follow-up question that I am not a parent And I am really in awe of the parents that I know. So I don't want this to come across as critical because I don't mean it that way at all. But I see this tension that I don't even think was there when I was growing up to the extent of my kids need to be involved in X, Y, and Z activities. They need to be, they're getting this amount of homework every night. That it just feels like everything, every message you're being sent, whether it's from your kid's school or from the broader community is 
there's not time. Like, you're going to have soccer mo- tournaments on Sunday mornings. And, I, and I'm not saying that it's – I'm not saying, like, everyone make your, your conviction choices, but it feels like it's hard to prioritize church because it almost seems like you're setting – you're setting your kids back um, from everything that they could be involved in. And um, and so I'm just curious for you as a parent and then um, just as you've walked with other people who have stepped into this parenting season and wrestled with this, how do you, how do you face that tension head on um, and still support your kids and the things that they're passionate about, but also make it clear that like you do have to choose at some point to prioritize that church community? Well, um, Priorities either happen to you or you choose them. But to say I don't have time to choose a priority is nonsense. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is you are choosing by not choosing. That, I mean, that's just the nature of it. You are going to drift to the thing that's the, for lack of a better word, the sexiest, right? Mm-hmm. So for that um, parent who drifts priority, we, we pick on different type of sports. So let's just say sports in general for that parent that drifts to that place where the priority in the house is athletics. Uh, that didn't just happen. Mm-hmm. Like you made that choice at one point or another to begin to ignore some of the nuances of what a schedule would demand. And honestly, <clears throat> what I've learned is what you prioritize to your kids, um, your kids will prioritize. Like that's just the nature of it. Right. Um, so, and I've, I said it Sunday and I believe it, what is optional to you becomes non-existent to your kids. Mm-hmm. If you don't think it's important enough to develop in the heart of your kids, don't be surprised when at 20 years old, they're in college and you're saying, did you show up? Did you find a church yet? Did you find the church yet? Mom, we didn't go to church for the last six years of my life because I had soccer practice every Sunday morning, whatever it is. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. the sport out there. What makes you think that at 19, once I leave the house, that I'm going to spend any amount of effort seeking out a community? Like, I'm good. I'm going to do what I do. So I say that within the scope of, again, you always want to be sensitive because there's no guarantees in this parenting game. Like, you can raise two kids in the same home. One's a priest, one's a a prisoner. Like, that's just the Mm -hmm. nature of humanity. But with that said, I do feel like I'm a little old school. My kids don't set the schedule of the home. I do. So when they were five years old and or six years old and we put them in karate and the karate instructor was like, I need them here Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. I looked at Jess and I'm saying, they're six. They're not going to be here three nights a week. Well, I mean, that's what he feels like they need to get good. Well, then they're not going to get good. I'm sorry. Like, again, and I might be I'm a little bit of an extreme in this case. Um, but my five year old spending three nights of week studying karate made no sense to me and again for everyone who has done that this is not a judgment on you i'm just saying for my own personal kids um that really would have meant we're not in church on wednesday that really would have meant there's no time for me to sit down and have conversation with my kids because we get home from school at five or six we're rushing to karate practice to put them to bed by seven eight o'clock that just seemed crazy to me but several people in that class were there four days a week it's just it's, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> but with that said, um, I also do understand that there becomes a season where a kid's talents develop, but even then making sure whatever you're choosing, you're choosing that there's not a baseball coach making that decisions for you. Right. There's not a, uh, and, and I, 
back to the first thing we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, the why. I'm also not making that decision because I had a chance to play soft baseball. If I would have just focused, if someone had just focused me up, I could have made it to the league. So now I'm going to put all of that effort and energy into an expectation into my 12 year old who lives with crippling, crippling anxiety because he doesn't know how to throw a 95 mile an hour fastball. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it, it really does come down to the why. And I do think it's a responsibility of parents and I don't get this right all the time and I'm working on it constantly. So hear me, this is not me speaking from a judgment, but I just need you to know what my expectation of parenting is that I'm striving to. I want all of the decisions I make about my parenting to be based off of my why is Jesus and my kids exposure to that. We talked a little bit about that passage in scripture that talks about impressing these things on the heart mm-hmm. of your students I do want to leave that mark of Jesus before they leave my house. That is my priority. Whether they become an MBA uh, uh, um, prospect, they become a lawyer, they become a musician, they become a famous YouTuber. Um, I want them to leave my house first impressed with the mark of Jesus. Everything else is secondary. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And um, I'm just reminded, as you were talking, there are some, there are some things that are just the way that they are, but there's also so much room for the Holy Spirit to give you creativity and imagination. Absolutely. And as you were saying that, I kind of flashed back to my own high school experience was that my brother was in football practice immediately after school every day. And then I was in theater practice, but the way our school did it so that you could be in sports and in theater was that when football practice ended, theater practice was starting at 6.30 and then it would go until 8.30. Wow. And so like I wouldn't get home from school until 9 p.m. a lot of nights. Or if I did go home, he would be in practice. Basically, our family was never awake and home at the same time. But my parents were really creative about figuring out ways that, like, at breakfast time, because we were in a season where family dinner... Sorry, I chuckled because we have family dinner at Center City. But, like, our unit family dinner wasn't possible Monday through Thursday during that time. But it was like, okay, well, at breakfast we have these little devotions. Or even, like, while we're driving to school, we would we would listen to different, like the C.S. Lewis Narnia series and talk about that and that sort of thing. So I would also say like if you're a parent and you're overwhelmed about where to start with all of this, especially if you're one of those people that maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting a little bit that priorities have gotten off, like ask for creativity and imagination because God is really generous in that way. Um, And it doesn't have to be like stop it all. And then start over. No, I think that that's, that's equally as dangerous. Because remember, you're also in a lot of those environments surrounding not only your student, but yourself, your, your, your child and yourself with community. Mm-hmm. And you get a great opportunity to, you know, one of my best friends uh, loves baseball and him and his boy are constantly at the baseball field and he's a coach and he's participating. But with that said, he does understand his weight and it, and um he understands his weight and influence in that space, which allows him to really lean into ministering to the heart of these baseball families. Mm-hmm. Like, so to remove every Christian out of that, which is our tendency, we go from one extreme to the other. And I'm not, t- again, I'm making sure that that extreme is not communicated. We go from one extreme to the other. We need to be in those spaces. We just need to make sure that we're there intentionally. Mm-hmm. So, um, We've talked a lot about the home, and I do want to talk briefly about the church. First of all, I just want to shout out Pastor Joey and Pastor Emma. You did a great job um, sharing a little bit of what they do that people may not realize if they're just in there on Sunday mornings. But um, our family life 
department, I guess you would call it a department, but our family life team of staff and volunteers are really passionate about, um, particularly one thing you brought up is that Joey hates it if we accidentally slip and talk about childcare. Oh man, he hates um, it. Like, like if you want to see Pastor Joey get a little bit angry, say that you're looking for childcare for family dinner or something like that. And hey, where do I drop my kids off for babysitting? He <laughs> yeah. would love that. Just, just do that. <laughs> and, but the reason he's so passionate about like the nuance of the term is that he's, he's passionate that your kids aren't just being like kept occupied so that the parents can go and experience the presence of Jesus and learn more about him. Like this is an opportunity for the kids to come to Jesus. So with you as lead pastor, I know Joey's not here and Emma's not here to, to talk from their own heart. Like Will you just say a little bit about the heart of Center City Church for the next generations? Yeah, so it's the heart of Center City that we we would always be a church that creates spaces for students to experience the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, from the cradle to college. So what that means is there's a really good chance when you drop your baby off um, during service um, to the nursery that those volunteers are praying and and singing over them and have you know even even when they don't fully understand or grasp um i love it that they they leave worship on during the beginning of the service in those rooms and again what what, your kid doesn't understand any of that but yet it begins the process of development that i think is so critical and then um that kind of moves into our um our high school and middle school focus. Again, we don't, it's not a pizza party every week, although they do pizza quite a bit, um, that there are times for the students to dig into the word group structure, uh, individual conversations, but also group conversations, which I think is critical. There's adult leaders who are there to mentor and move. And that is a high priority here at Center City and will always be, which means we allocate time, energy, and effort to those areas, right? So a big chunk of our budget, a big chunk of our focus as our staff and staffing is dedicated to those spaces. Yeah. So basically like we want you to know that we want you to bring your children. We want you to bring their friends. Like we take seriously the responsibility of caring for them. And I also just feel like there may be some people out there who are excited about this, that you didn't like the idea of babysitting, but maybe you would love to serve and be part of this team. And I know, I know they're always looking for volunteers. That's just the the nature of being a growing church. But, um, so we would love for you to ask about that and get involved in that because it is something that I can say as an adult who is not a parent, I am still passionate. This is our whole community's responsibility to help these parents not be in it all on their own, but to come alongside and also help show these kids the beauty of who Jesus is. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited. It's And it's it's also a really incredibly fun season right now mm-hmm. as we imagine what this looks like moving into the future. Yeah. So you took a hard twist in the message, and I want to spend a little bit of time on that as we um, kind of come into wrapping up. But you you called out something that I had not really noticed, that when Jesus tells the the disciples to let the little children come to him. He says, don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. And I have always just been like the kingdom of God belongs to the children. And yet there's a little bit of nuance there. So why do you think Jesus says those who are like these children and not just these children? 
because Jesus is a master at using metaphor, and that word like is a super weapon in the hands of a master communicator. Mm -hmm. So what an opportunity to give an object lesson as it pertains to what he knows the kingdom of God looks like Mm -hmm. and who has ownership in that kingdom. And he's really clear. Like, I don't, he's not parsing words. Like, as the children are coming, he's like, yeah, you need to be more like them. And here's why. Like, that word like becomes powerful in the hands of Jesus as he uses it to push them towards right living, right? So when it comes to children, we know that children are dependent. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus speaking says, I am the the vine, you are the branches. That idea of dependency is critical to those who want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, First Corinthians um, speaks that it's that passage about do not be childish, but then it turns around and says be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. So it talks about maturation, being able to navigate a place where you are not immature in your faith. But when it comes to evil, there needs to be an immaturity, for lack of Mm -hmm. a better term, like there's an innocence to you, a purity that's in you. And then Peter talks about the nourishment that comes and how we should be constantly pursuing that nourishment like a a child Mm -hmm. pursues nourishment. Um, So there's that growing that should be in us and continuing us. And then Jesus's infamous conversation with Nicodemus when he turns around and says, you have to be born again, is this picture that he is making all things new. So if you want to be a a part of the kingdom of God, if you want ownership in this thing, the kingdom of God belongs to people who are made new. And the way that we are made new is through Jesus. So he uses it as an opportunity now to not only bless these kids to, you know, to, to kind of solve some of the tension in their parents, but also to bless, to lay his hands on each of these kids and bless them, but also to tell these disciples, I'm making everything new Mm -hmm. and introducing them to the purity of the gospel that says the kingdom of God belongs to people who are pure, who are growing, who are pursuing after me who've allowed me to make them new. I think it's a beautiful uh, overall opportunity. He uses this metaphor to communicate the gospel in such a beautiful way. I love it. Yeah, yeah I do absolutely. too. And, and I know you did such a great job of like pulling out a couple characteristics of children that had really good scriptural like backup to them, which is important in a sermon. But in a podcast, we can be a little bit more imaginative. Absolutely. So I'm just wondering if there are some things that maybe you didn't find a verse that specifically said it, but that you notice about children and want to emulate in your own relationship with God. How messy they are. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, one of the reasons why the disciples didn't want the kids next to Jesus is because they're a mess. They're a mess. They're loud. They're unpredictable. Um, my wife and I walked through this quite a bit because we're like, okay, what does it mean to be like a child in so many instances? Childs don't bring children don't bring much to the table. Mm-hmm. They bring their innocence and their potential. They're not bringing any financial structure. They're not bringing any form of strength to the table. Uh, kids are great to have around and to have fun with, but they're not. They're not going to be great to help you move, right? Like mm-hmm. I got to move this couch. Let's call the three year olds over, right? <laughs> um, I've been in so many situations where, like, we're we're doing work, and someone says, "Hey, can I bring my five year old?" And I'm like, "Oh goodness," because the weight of it, like now, yeah, you're not helping. You're, you're not actually helping. now it's like having the process. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when he when he says that, I I do think to some degree. Jesus also understands that there's uh, an immaturity in us Mm -hmm. and um, don't fight to take yourself so seriously. 
Uh, and then ultimately to come without any preconceptions that you're going to get it fixed before you come because the truth mm -hmm. is you're not and you're we're just all a mess. And he still embraces us and says, no, come, come to me. Even when you think I'm doing something that's too important to stop, like still come to me. And I think that that was a part. What about you? Like when I say that, when you, you hear this metaphor, what are some of the things that you think about? I think about um, how kids... They have to learn shame. They don't immediately feel that. They just want to be near their parents, whether they've just messed up, whether like they've just fallen and they're a mess, like, um, or if they're really happy, there's just this immediate, like, I haven't learned that I need to kind of balance out these emotions. I haven't learned no. that some of them are more socially acceptable than others. I haven't even learned yet. I mean, I know you get to a point where it's like, I'm going to hide because I know I've done something wrong. It's just this immediate in whatever situation I, I just want that touch point yeah. of my parent that I, I, I can bring all of this to. And, um, as someone who sometimes struggles to do that with my own emotions and, yeah. and like recognize them and just bring them to God and know that we'll work through them together. I sometimes try to like work through them on my own and then come to God. It's really encouraging. Like when I hang out with my nieces and nephew to be like, Oh, they're not trying to do that with their mom and dad. Like, why do I think God's going to treat me any differently? Yeah. Uh, kids are very relationship first. Mm -hmm. um, and they're also kind of selfish. Yeah. Um, because of the nature of children. So I, I just, to me, it's a comforting picture to think that the kingdom of God belongs to people who, you know, maybe relationship first. And that, I just, it's, it's a great picture. Mm -hmm. Okay. So where are we headed next? So widows, um, we're, we're looking to kind of start a conversation um, and looking through scriptures that pertains to uh, women. Because I think that that's very much, a, you know, when, when this passage specifically talks about pure religion, it talks about those who are, have been marginalized, those mm -hmm. who have been broken down. And, then, and it's not that men don't live in that space. But specifically in this passage, it speaks to widows. And we have some incredible partners that focus on women who are navigating tough places. And, um, you know, it, it's just a great opportunity to sit there a little bit and just um, walk through. It's going to be heart, a heart-tugging message this mm -hmm. week. And um, what we have some great partners who are going to be with us uh, just kind of explaining everything that's happening within the scope of our city as it pertains to women in crisis. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I am too. So um, we will be right back here Sunday morning, 9 and 11. 11 o'clock is streaming, so if you're not in the Charlotte area and want to watch, but if you're in the Charlotte area, come out. It's going to be a really special Sunday, and we would love to see you then. Mm -hmm.